The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius Meditations, Book 4, Paragraph 30. Here is a philosopher without a tunic, another without a book, another here half naked. I have no bread, he says, and still I abide by reason. And I do not get the means of living out of my learning, and I abide by my reason. Okay, so uh, as far as I can tell, this is not related to um, the uh, the previous uh, couple uh, sections. This is either its own standalone idea, or this is the beginning of a next uh, of a, of a new topic. Uh, I guess we'll have to find out after that. So the way I see it, also, uh, there are three themes or ideas that he is writing about here. Number one is what is a Stoic philosopher. Number two, what does a Stoic philosopher look like? And number three, what is the cost of becoming a Stoic philosopher? So um, in order to explain these three things, I want to quote from three uh, chapters of Epictetus's Enchiridion from the handbook, uh, because I think he really does a good job of, of fleshing out these ideas, uh, these three, three ideas. So first citation is from Enchiridion uh, chapter 23. He says, if at any time it should happen that you turn to external things with the aim of pleasing someone, understand that you have ruined your, ruined your life's plan. Be content, then, in everything with being a philosopher, and if you wish also to be regarded as such, appear so to yourself, and that will be sufficient. Okay, so here, again, I guess he's not technically, he's technically not defining what a Stoic philosopher is, but he is saying what a Stoic philosopher is not, which is uh, that uh, you should not care about appearing to be a philosopher to other people. Um, and, uh, and because that, that really would undercut the entirety of, uh, Stoic philosophy. Stoic philosophy is, is based on the notion that, uh, external things are not real goods, uh, or not real evils. And so if, if your entire orientation towards philosophy is to appear a certain way and be treated a certain way by other people, so then you've already missed the boat, <laughs> you know? So if you, uh, if there's one person's opinion who you should care about, it's your own opinion, uh, in terms of, uh, are you living by your principles or not? So that's number one. Um, uh, number two, uh, this is a, a little bit of a longer one, but I think it's a really, really good, uh, good, um, you know, uh, fleshing out of this idea. And, uh, this is also, <laughs> this kind of represents, um, what I like about, uh, Epictetus, uh, not so much in the handbook, which is much more formal, but in the discourses, it's it's very conversational in tone. So this captures a little bit of that. So this is Enchiridion chapter 29. In every undertaking, consider what comes first and what comes after, then proceed to the action itself. Otherwise, you will begin with a rush of enthusiasm, having failed to think through the consequences, only to find that later, where difficulties appear, you will give up in disgrace. Do you want to win at the Olympic Games? So do I, by God, for that is a fine achievement. But consider what comes first and what comes after, and only then begin the task. You must be well-disciplined, submit to a diet, abstain from sweet things, follow a training schedule at the set times, in the heat and in the cold, no longer having cold drinks or wine just when you like. In a word, you must hand yourself over to your trainer, just as you would to a doctor. And then, when the contest comes, you may strain your wrist, twist your ankle, swallow lots of sand, and be whipped, and after all that, suffer defeat. Think about this, and if you still want to, then train for the games. Otherwise, you will behave like children who first play at being wrestlers, then at being gladiators, then they blow trumpets, then act in a play. In the same way, you will first be an athlete, then a gladiator, then an orator, then a philosopher, but you will do none of these things wholeheartedly. But like a monkey, you will mimic whatever you see. Uh, as first, At first one thing, then another uh, takes your fancy. 
sorry, as first one thing and then another takes your fancy. All this because you do not undertake anything after properly considering it from all sides, but randomly and half-heartedly. So it is when some people go to see a philosopher and hear someone speak such as Euphrates, and who can speak like him, they too want to be philosophers. Uh, but first consider what sort of undertaking this is, and then examine your own capacities to see if you can bear it. So you want to be an, uh, a pentathlete or a wrestler. Look at your arms, your thighs, examine your back. Different people are naturally suited to different tasks. Do you think that if you do these things, you can still eat in the same way, drink in the same way, give way to anger and to irritation, just as you do now? You must go without sleep, endure hardship, live away from home, be looked down on by a slave boy, be laughed at by those whom you meet, and in everything get the worst of it, in honors, in status, in the law courts, and in every little affair. Consider carefully whether you are willing to pay such a price for, for peace of mind, freedom, and serenity. For if you are not, do not approach philosophy, and do not behave like children, first being a philosopher, next a tax collector, then an orator, and later a procurator of the emperor." These things are not compatible. You must be one person, either good or bad. You must cultivate either your ruling principle or external things to seek to improve things inside or things outside. That is, you must play the role either of a philosopher or an uneducated person. Okay, so that was a lot there. Uh, and again, he's focusing on those first two themes I identified, what a stoic philosopher is and then what the cost is. Um, what a stoic philosopher is, again, he says, it's basically either you are cultivating your inner ruling principle or or focusing on external things. Um, but what I liked about this is that he's saying basically like, you know, yeah, you're going to have to, you can't have it all. You, uh, you're going to have, if you're going to take this route of becoming a stoic and becoming a philosopher, you're going to have to sacrifice certain things, uh, external things, then also, you know, um, uh, certain, uh, psychological indulgences, like getting angry or being irritated, you know, that that's not something you're going to be able to indulge in and simultaneously develop in your philosophical, uh, training and perfection. Um, and, uh, and then certainly external things. And I think that's what the relationship is between this, uh, Enchiridion excerpt and the Aurelius excerpt saying that here's a philosopher without a tunic, another without a book, another here half naked, uh, I have no bread and still I abide by reason, meaning that you might lose a lot of external things. You might be poor, you might not have the appearance uh, and the reputation and the status that you want, uh, but you will have this inner um, this inner perfection and tranquility that that is advertised in the Stoics. One thing I do object to here, though, um, is the uh, the way he depicts it as like an all or nothing deal. On the one hand, it's true that to the extent that you are, are striving for two different value systems, then you're not going to really do anything wholeheartedly, and you won't get the maximum benefit out of it. But I think in when it comes to Torah at least, and, and human perfection, uh, I don't think it's an all or nothing deal. I think that there are, you know, you can gain in certain areas and not in others. You can gain a certain quantity and not another. Uh, yeah, you're not going to become a perfected chacham or a tzaddik uh, if, you're, if you're striving at two different lifestyles, but it's not an all or nothing deal. And I think that from a teacher's perspective or a developmental perspective, it could be uh, harmful to a person's learning if they say, well, either I'm going to go all in on Torah or I'm just going to not do it at all. You know, um, I think that that's, uh, that's really not the best uh, policy here. Okay. And then the last excerpt I wanted to share is from Enchiridion chapter 46. He says, uh, and this one deals also with the, um, the appearance of a philosopher versus the reality. On no occasion, call yourself a philosopher and do not talk a great deal amongst uneducated people about philosophical principles, but do what follows from those principles. For example, at a banquet, do not talk about how people ought to eat, but eat as someone should. Remember how Socrates had so completely eliminated ostentation that people would come to him wanting him to introduce them to philosophers, and he would take them off to other philosophers. <laughs> so little did he care about being overlooked. 
And if a discussion about philosophical principles should arise in uneducated people, keep silent for the most part, for there is a great danger that you will immediately vomit up what you have not di yet digested. And when someone says to you that you know nothing and that you are uh, and you are not offended, then know that you have begun your work. For sheep do not show the shepherd how much they have eaten by vomiting up their fodder, but they digest their food within to produce wool and milk on the outside. So do not display your philosophical principles to uneducated people, but show them the actions that result from those principles when you digest them. Um, so that, I, I think, is a really good uh, muscle there. Uh, again, I agree in part with this and disagree in another part. On the one hand, I agree that you should avoid ostentation and showing off, oh, look at me, I'm a philosopher, and uh, and you should be aware of uh, of like being hypocritical. You should be aware of, of espousing principles that you haven't fully digested. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, we've talked about this many times, there is a reality of shalolishma, of, of learning not for the right motives. Shemitok shalolishma, balishma, and that by doing things not for the right motives, you will come to do them for their own sake, you know, whether it's in learning or mitzvos or living in line with uh, with, you know, with the will of God. So, um, so in that sense, one of the lolishmas, the tremendous lolishmas is having the self image of a chacham, of a wise person or a philosopher. And, and I think that the Stoics take the stance that you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't embrace that lolishma, whereas Torah takes the stance that you should, because that will at least guide you to becoming attached to that lifestyle and training and discipline and learning. And that could lead, that will uh, hopefully lead to doing things for the right reasons. Um, I also think that we would not say, we in Torah would not say, don't discuss ideas unless you are consistent with them and don't share them with people um, unless you're living by them. Uh, uh, again, we do have to be aware of hypocrisy, but we are pro-learning, you know? In other words, like take uh, the way that we look at the Avos and the Tzadikim in Torah is that we talk about their actions and we, we learn about them and we say what a person should and shouldn't do based on that, regardless of whether we ourselves conform to that. In other words, we focus on the ideas with the hopes that that the involvement in the ideas will lead to these perfections, and we don't refrain from talking about them simply because we don't live in line with them right now. So, those are some thoughts on this. Uh, that's it for today's episode. Uh, maybe we went a little bit afield from the original um, Aurelius quotation, but that that's the name of the game. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.